All right, everybody, welcome to the Backseat Huddle Podcast, episode 26. As always, I'm your host, Tristan Weber, and today I'm going to be giving you guys my opinions and thoughts on Divisional Round Weekend, and then on Thursday, I'm going to be talking to you guys about my predictions for the championship weekend. Now, uh, this week for Divisional Round Weekend, I went 4-0 in my picks, which obviously means that I am the best sports analyst on the entire internet. So I need you guys to go tell all of your friends all about me and then I'm the best. Okay, let's go ahead and get into it. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start my show off with the biggest game of the week. Same one I started my show off with last week. I'm going to talk to you guys about the San Francisco 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys. So I actually had a lot of thoughts on this game and I really struggled to organize them because there was a lot of layers and there was a lot of things and talking points for this game about the game itself and the players in it but I try to keep my podcast relatively short in the 15 to 20 minutes range. So I cannot talk about all of them. So I am going to talk to you guys about the ones I felt was important. My first thoughts on the 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys was how interestingly refreshing that game was because we got to see something that we haven't seen in quite some time. We got to see a defensive football game and I'm old enough to remember before a lot of the rule changes, there was such a thing as a defensive football game. We used to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we used to watch the Baltimore Ravens go at it Sunday nights, and I used to love those games. Where defensive football games, where there were low-scoring games, not because the offenses were playing poorly, but because defenses were able to make such a great impact on the game by playing well. And that's what we got to see on Sunday with the 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys. Sunday, we got to watch two of the best defenses in the NFL. And when the Cowboys defense is fully healthy, which they were mostly healthy, almost fully healthy on Sunday night, they are one of the best defenses in the NFL. And we obviously know what the San Francisco 49ers defense is capable of. We got to watch those two teams on defense trade blows and play extremely well. The defenses just played lockdown for almost the entire game. And it wasn't like we were listening to Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart, who were calling the game, point out, you know, that each offense was just playing or playing bad or missing plays, or they were playing poorly because they weren't. We were watching two of the best defenses in the NFL play extremely well at the exact same time. And honestly, it was so refreshing from what the NFL has become, which is an offense, rather a league that leans completely toward the offense. So what a nice, refreshing change of pace that was. Second thing I'm going to talk about, which is what everybody else is inevitably talking about, and that is how Dak Prescott absolutely blew it on Sunday. All the 49ers did was follow the recipe. <clears throat> to beat Dak Prescott. All the 49ers did was follow the recipe to beat Dak Prescott. <clears throat> Thanks to Nick Wright for this. 
And I keep bringing him up on this show because, honestly, he has good insights on Twitter, and I like this stat. There was one game all year where Dak Prescott threw the ball 25-plus times and did not throw a pick, and that was last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The fact of the matter is that Dak Prescott didn't play well for the entire game on Sunday, and it didn't matter. Because he had an opportunity at the end to make it happen in the final drive of the game. Okay. And he just didn't make it happen. And there was an opportunity for him to make a game tying drive with three minutes left and he didn't do it. I'm not even going to include the true final drive where they only had 50 seconds and zero timeouts. And he should have gotten sacked for a safety. I'm talking about the one three minutes left, two timeouts, best defense in the NFL, send your team to the NFC championship game. What can you do? On the first play, he threw an interception right to Dre Greenlaw, who just dropped it. And if you have an opportunity, Emmanuel Ocho did a really good breakdown of why he shouldn't have thrown that ball anyway and why CeeDee Lamb was right, wide open on that play. Second play, he had a big-time underthrow to Michael Gallup, who was wide open as hell up the seam. Third play was a sack. And it's just not good enough. And then they punted which is just not good enough. If you are a 40, 45 million, whatever number it is, quarterback, you have to do better than that. You have to be better than that. Plain and simple. One should have been interception, one big underthrow, one sack, and then a punt. You just got to do better. There's no excuses. And he just didn't get it done. And that's not even mentioning the big time underthrow he had earlier in the game on that amazing catch by CeeDee Lamb. He had to play better, and he didn't. He had to make the plays when they were there, and he didn't make those plays. The quarterback on the other side of this game, Brock Purdy, actually impressed me a little bit against Dallas. That's kind of not necessarily, I feel like, what everyone else is talking about, but Brock Purdy impressed me in his ability to not screw it up when he wasn't playing well, and then when it really counted, stepping up and making plays and playing well. I know this game from Brock Purdy wasn't super as impressive as a whole, but I have to give Brock Purdy and his crew some significant praise because there was a turning point for the in this game for the San Francisco offense where they just stepped up, they took over the game, and they were just better. They just started playing better, and they were the better team. And it felt like it all started with that throw to George Kittle. That throw happened with about five minutes left in the third quarter, and it kick-started everything. And as Greg Olson was saying at halftime, they only had nine points. He was saying right after the break, they need to start throwing the ball. They need to start airing it out. That's what got them here. They need to let Brock Purdy start to play a little. And quite frankly... Brock Purdy made the play that started it all. I'll give George Kittle a lot of George Kittle a lot of credit on this one too, because the throw, because rather the catch was better than the throw. But I thought the throw was pretty good. He was Brock Purdy, play action, scrambled out to his left, threw it up, up the middle to George Kittle. Okay, and that play got their entire offense moving. After that point, they only had nine points. They couldn't do much. Their running game started working. Their passing game started working. Everything started working after that play. 
I feel like we just have to credit Brock Purdy for holding on, not making a mistake, and it was time to make a throw, time to make a play. After a sluggish first half, he stepped up, delivered, and then once he got a little bit of momentum, he just kept going, and that team just kept going after that one play. He was the lightning rod for his offense. He and George Kittle made it happen. So I have to give them credit, and I have to give Brock Purdy credit for playing pretty well for that last quarter and a half. Last thing I want to talk about for this Cowboys, and this is a little bit off topic, so I'm going to make it brief. Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, is going to get creamed for that final play because it was bad. I don't know what the hell that was. But he earned a head coaching job this postseason. He's put himself in the conversation for the past couple seasons, and he earned a head coaching job this postseason. During the regular season, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, did nothing but make it work. He had injuries on the offensive line all season. He had an overpaid old running back who it feels like is being forced to be given carries, a quarterback injury, a wide receiver room that is one of the most unimpressive in the NFL outside of CeeDee Lamb and a division with the Eagles who have the second best defense second best defense statistically in the NFL, a commander's defense that's pretty good, and a casual observer. Rather, despite all of that, he makes it work. And then a casual observer, like myself, can look at the Cowboys offense and see where the weakness is at, let alone NFL defensive coaches. And despite all of that, the Cowboys still had the 11th ranked overall offense in the NFL and the fourth best scoring offense in the NFL. And in the postseason against Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay defense is actually pretty good. And Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. Kellen Moore absolutely had the Buccaneers players and coaches befuddled the entire game. He outcoached Todd Bowles. This week against the 49ers, say what you will about Dak Prescott's ability or lack thereof, but... He had receivers running wide open late in the game. Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb was way open on that on that streak route. He had he called the right play against cover three against that that should have been uh interception by Dre Greenlaw. And prior to the Tony Pollard injury, I thought the Dallas Cowboys were running the ball incredibly well. I thought they were running the ball fairly well against a very stout 49ers run defense. Kellen Moore did nothing but make it work all season long. So he will very, very likely, at least in my opinion, end up an NFL offensive head coach somewhere this offseason. But that last play was really bad. I don't know what the hell that was. Uh, Moving on to Bengals versus Bills. This game felt like it was significantly more about what the Bills do not have rather than what the Bengals do have. When I was watching the game, I felt significantly more like the Bills lost that game by 17 points more than the Bengals are actually 17 points better than the Bills at home. Like, what do you really make of the Buffalo Bills right now? They lost a comb- they lost three games this season by a combined eight points, and then they lose by 17 at home. It's almost beyond belief to me, and it really feels like a coaching issue. It feels like they got outcoached versus Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins. The fact that the game versus the Dolphins was a three-point game with a rookie third-string quarterback and given 
now that we have the benefit of hindsight, that should have set off some significant warning signs. The Dolphins put up 30 points with a rookie third-string quarterback. And I said last week, I didn't like what I saw out of those Buffalo Bills. They should be worried going to this game against the Bengals. And then they walked into this game against a real elite quarterback, and look what happened. They looked extremely flat. They looked like the far worse team, and they got out coached. This tweet from Cynthia Freeland basically says it all to me. Joe Burrow, for the first half, was 16 of 20 for 173 yards and two touchdowns against the Bills' zone coverage. He was 2 of 7 for 14 yards against man. If you are an NFL defensive coach, you have to notice those things. That's a huge difference. Even Tony Romo in the booth kept saying, you can't play zone in these conditions, Jim. The footing just won't let you change direction. And the Bills kept running a bunch of zone. And offensively, the Bills just weren't good. And it fell onto the shoulders, almost unfairly in my opinion, onto the shoulders of Josh Allen. Because they don't have anything else but Josh Allen. Sure, you know what? Let's call it how it is. Josh Allen played a bad game. Players, good players, great players, all-time great players have bad games. But you have to have a second punch, and the Buffalo Bills don't. If Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs don't go, the offense doesn't go. And there's people who are going to say, what about Gabe Davis? Well, what about Gabe Davis? Gabe Davis had just 54 catches on 102 targets this season. That's a 52% catch rate, and that's not good enough for your number two wide receiver. Thank you for Howard WGR on Twitter for that. And the Buffalo Bills offensive line isn't great. They don't have a running game outside of Josh Allen's scrambles of designed runs, and that's been the criticism of them and their offense all season long. It's all Josh Allen all the time. I notice it. You, the listener, notices it. So why can't NFL head coaches who are supposed to be the best minds in the entire sport figure out a way to fix it? Which you can point to Josh Allen as the Buffalo Bills' best player and expect him to play well. That's fair. But give the guy something to work with if he doesn't. Brock Purdy for San Francisco didn't play well for the entire first half and for the first 10 minutes of the second half. But he made one big play to George Kittle and it sparked the entire offense. The running game started working. The passing game started working. Everything started working. Josh Allen, if he makes a big play, it's expected to spark more Josh Allen. If we look at this game, the Bills versus the Bengals, and we zoom out, okay, let's play a little bit of a hypothetical. Let's just propose that in this game, Joe Burrow had also not played well. Let's play, let's just say Josh Allen and Joe Burrow played the exact same game, both didn't play great. The Bengals still would have won this game. You want to know why? Because the Bengals also have a rushing attack. They have something outside of Joe Burrow. The Bengals piled up 172 yards on the ground during this game. And it wasn't just like they were up late and they were running the ball. No, look at the very first drive of this game. 
They were running the ball extremely well from the very first drive. The Bills have Josh Allen and nothing else. And it's honestly, it's not fair to him. We saw the exact same thing two weeks ago. Tom Brady versus the Dallas Cowboys. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers went against a team that had multiple ways to win. The Cowboys can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They can play play action. They have multiple ways to win. Tampa Bay had one. Tom Brady. And look what happened. It is the exact same story just two weeks later. It's too much pressure on one player to be your entire offense. The Bengals, like I said, outcoached the Bills. I mean, if you want to see it in a microcosm, look at this play by the Bengals. Sorry for my audio listeners. They fake a hitch to Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow pump fakes it, and they throw it to a basically wide open Hayden Hurst in the corner of the end zone. That was the game in a nutshell. The Bengals just did every single thing better than the Bills. The Bengals just played significantly better. What really shocked me this game wasn't how the Bengals abused the Bills through the air. Because if you listen closely, Tony Romo dropped a little bit of a gem on air where he said something to the tune of, since Von Miller went out of the starting lineup, the Bills uh, ranked 27th, if I remember correctly, in pressures. So even the Bengals' depleted offensive line could be expected to hold up to that. But it was amazing to me how the Bengals ran the ball. Generally, when a team has a passing offense and passing attack that is as deadly as the Bengals is, you want or hope that your rushing game is good enough to provide a presence and be good enough to at least be a serviceable part of the offense and be something that needs to be respected. The Bengals rushing defense is not respectable. It's not serviceable. It's not just a part of their offense. It's really, really good. It is extremely good. Piling up 172 yards against the Bills that in the regular season had the fourth best rushing defense in the NFL is really, really impressive. The Bengals passing game, as we know, is one of the most, it's really just one of the best in the NFL. And they just flexed that their rushing offense can provide a second dimension as well. So right now, the Bengals offense looks to be the most balanced and dynamic in the entire league. And the Bengals defense is playing amazing as well. The fact is they had the fifth best rushing offense in the NFL, rather fifth best, ru- fifth best rushing defense in the NFL, and they allowed the worst passer rating during the regular season. Right now, as a whole, this Cincinnati Bengals team is the best in the NFL. They look to be the cream of the crop. And if they can continue to run the football the way they did against the Bills, this Bengals team is winning the Super Bowl, bar none. There's no one standing in their way. The Bengals just did every single thing right this game, and there's really not much else to say. Chiefs. (sighs) Chiefs versus the Jaguars. Now... I didn't watch a ton of this game because I had to work and it was extremely busy during the time frame that this game was on going on, but I got the opportunity to watch a little bit of it and it was basically what I expected that it would be. Uh, it was closer than I expected it to be, but the Kansas City Chiefs led by 10 points on three separate occasions during this game. Uh, each time the Jaguars started to get close, the Chiefs just kept slamming the door on them. If you look at the win probability metric that ESPN and Next Gen Stats likes to throw around, 
the Jags never really had an opportunity to win this game. The worst win probability that the Chiefs had was 69%, which is nice. But it just went to show the disparity between the two teams. So basically that means the best chance the Jaguars had to win this game was 31%. Look, the, the biggest takeaway from the Jaguars versus Chiefs game doesn't really even have anything to do with the game itself. It is Patrick Mahomes' health and what's going on with his high ankle sprain. However, there was one concerning takeaway from this game, but obviously besides the Mahomes thing, if you're a Chiefs fan, and that is that the Chiefs rushing defense did not look great. The Jacksonville Jaguars had four players average more than 6.2 yards per carry, and they're now going against a Bengals team that is coming against, rather coming off of a very dominant rushing display and rushing performance against the Bills. That's got to be a worry. Lastly, Eagles versus Giants. I didn't watch this game. I got four hours of sleep the night prior, and when I got off work, I went to sit down and watch this game, and the Eagles were up 21-0. to zero. And I just I knew that Daniel Jones and company weren't coming back from that, so I just didn't watch the game. Move on the next week. Congratulations, Eagles. You played great. Cool. So that's my show. Thank you guys for listening. Feel free once again to like and subscribe. Take care, everybody.